0: Well, it's been a long, long couple of months since the Bears left us. (laughs) We had the Bulls and Blackhawks and some baseball anticipation, but it is here. Good morning, everybody. It is inside the clubhouse. On 670, the score, 52 weeks a year of baseball conversation and maybe none uh, quite as anticipated as this one when camp has opened for both the Cubs and the White Sox and our man Bruce Levine is out there in Arizona. What's up, Bruce?
1: Good morning, Matt. Yes, it's uh, spring training time. It's time for baseball, Cubs, and White Sox style. Always baseball time here on the score every Saturday morning, as you said. And we're raring to go Uh Interesting day, certainly in Mesa yesterday with the conversation that Addison Russell had with the media and some of the front office people in the background at the same time. We'll discuss that. Matt Mike Montgomery of the Chicago Cubs scheduled to join us as a guest. The great Peter Gammons as well joining us, but you The great Chicago sports fan, 312-644-6767, text 6711. That's where you find Matt and I and baseball talk for the next two hours.
0: You know, Bruce, um, usually I hear on a Saturday morning you and I will come in and we'll talk about some of the tape that exists. Who spoke this week? Um, Everybody spoke (laughs) this week pretty much. I mean, you had – it's all the way back towards the beginning of the week. You had Theo Epstein kind of – uh, it, you know addressing the the Joe Ricketts emails and then you got the sinclair uh, laced news of the marquee network that came after that, but that feels like a month ago already because of as you mentioned Addison Russell conversation on the other side of uh, of 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 the southwest portion of Chicago. You had uh, Yonder Alonzo and John Jay again answering manny Machado questions there's there's been a lot going on this week.
1: Absolutely, Matt. And by the way, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your home for the best food in Chicagoland. Here's the checklist. The best deli? Yes. The best full restaurant? Yes, indeed. The best bakery on the North Shore? No doubt. Dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, and the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Bakery goods to die for include sugar cookies, mandel bread, home-baked bagels, bialis, rye bread at maxandbennys.com, private Dining room and private party room, business meeting area, 5 to 150. They can take care of that. This is the best restaurant in Chicagoland, catering the entire North Shore, 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook. Love you some spring training, baseball talk, Matt. And let's start with Addison Russell. I need to get your take on what you heard before we uh, send it out to our great listeners and get their response?
0: Well, this is obviously a, an extremely emotional and volatile issue for fans, for for players, um, for wives, for everybody involved. And, you know, it, 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 yesterday was an extremely dispassionate, unemotional press conference for a very emotional and volatile issue. It was uh, felt like Addison you know, kind of cycling through talking points until he found one that he thought fit the question. It's, as I say, an extremely emotional, vibrant, um, polarizing issue, and it was kind of a wooden, stiff conversation about that issue. And I understand why it was was disappointing to so many people. Um, This is... He's not a paid public speaker, as we know, Bruce, nor is he even an affable conversationalist who makes you feel like you know him, like so many baseball players we've interviewed through the years. But this was worse than than even expected. I've heard him be better. I have seen him be better. This was a tough one to, uh, to take in for a lot of people yesterday.
1: What did you want to hear?
0: I, I just really wanted to feel a sense of... Of emotional presence, of kind of connectedness, of sincerity, and that's tough to do when you're as nervous as he was, I'm sure, and when you are, um, you know, as careful as he is being, and you're in as precarious a situation as he was. But it just, it it did not feel, it did not feel very um, sincere and and invested. And that I admit is more of a feeling than anything. But it was also just kind of how it kept going and kept going, and he kept kind of cycling back to those talking points. I thought it was very awkward, um, but it, in the end, his actions will will rule here, not not what he says and how he addresses it, but I um, thought it was a tough day. For I, that
1: I, think, I think that uh, we were expecting a uh, heartfelt, emotional response. Uh, honestly, I think that people were hoping that he would cry, honestly, and show that type of... Raw motion that has been pent up and uh, he's had to deal with uh, since this incident occurred, since he accepted this suspension back in September of 2018, and that uh, he is paying the dues for that as far as uh, going through therapy, uh, dealing with the Major League Baseball policy on domestic uh, violence. Uh, These are all um, things that are difficult for a 25-year-old man. Uh, to be um, let's let 's just let me just set the the scene a little bit better, so you had a media room with about thirty media people, including the locals like myself, and uh, national people like Bob Nightingale as well and then you had in the back of that you had Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, Joe Madden, Dennis Cullerton, who is the p r person for the Ricketts family, were all standing back there, so this was the this was the room that he was speaking in as he sat in the table there. Mm-hmm. Um when you uh when you got his first responses, a lot of them were thank you very much for that question. I'm glad you asked that. Um <clears throat> right away everybody thought this was a well too scripted of a response, well too scripted of a an event here going on that he was he was coached uh through this. And um in a sense I guess all of us, if we were 25 sitting there, we'd want to have some help, okay? But I think you're right about you know, the sincerity of it was just not – it wasn't driven through because of the fact that uh, he seemed like it was too mechanical.
0: Yeah, a lot of times we don't know these guys, Bruce, and certainly fans don't necessarily know – some of these guys, and then all of a sudden you do, maybe because they're interesting and they're warm and they let you in sometime during an interview in good times. Or sometimes you get to know them during times like these and, and you're going to actually sort of try and figure out what kind of human you're looking at here, what kind of humanity you're dealing with here, somebody who is contrite, somebody who understands what they've done. And it's a lot to ask of a, of a kid to come off, in a way that 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 makes you feel better about him. I know that didn't happen. That didn't happen for a lot of people yesterday, and um, I, I I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy for for somebody to to do that. But I didn't need him to cry. I didn't need that kind of emotion, Bruce. It's just a, you know, what it is when you're talking to to people and you and you're hearing folks really address some um, some misdeeds and, and, a, and a second chance and an opportunity. There's there's an opportunity for sincerity and realness, and I just I didn't feel it. Yesterday.
1: Well, you know, again, it was mechanical, but that's how he goes about his interviews. So I can fill you in on that, and you've been yeah. around him. You've seen it as well. The, the way he addressed his ex-wife and her acceptance of this, I think, is 95% of the result, okay? We know that the Cubs are going to monitor this. Major League Baseball is going to monitor it. His teammates are going to be there as well. But ultimately, it's how she reacts to this. If she accepts this as a true apology moving forward, if she can accept the fact that he can be a changed man and uh, a, a sufficient friend of hers and uh, co-parent with her the rest of their children's uh, time, and, and he can be a different person, I think it's allowable. Um, Cub fans. Baseball fans, people out there, do you think that Addison Russell deserves? This second chance,
0: you know, uh, 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You can text us at six seventy eleven. As far as his his, his ex goes, uh, Melissa Reedy has already said, and, and I understand where she's coming from. She's glad that a team has not given up on him. She's glad that the Cubs are are trying to give him a chance to to learn, um, to become a better person, to become hopefully a better father and a better better partner for for her. It's just it, it it's an awkward thing the Cubs decided to try and do. And I thought their statements, and especially when Theo Epstein gets well, a chance to talk awkward, on this stuff, man. no, 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 no. It, it just in general, uh, Bruce, okay. the the decision to not, the decision to move forward along with him is awkward. And I thought the Cubs, as an organization, have handled it very, very well. I thought if you're going to do it, the way that they've done it is the way to do it. And and it's just going it, to it, it it hampers them. It hampers their efforts in doing this kind of sensible approach the way that they're trying to do it, if those involved don't come across as serious, as contrite, and as concerned. That's that's just a sad truth about the moment here.
1: I tried to take him down the road of um, did he have abuse in his life growing up? And he came out and said, this is not about me. This is about um, mm-hmm. me doing what I have to do to make it right and owning this. I thought, I thought that was a, a telling part of what he talked about yesterday, and that— The responsibility is there not to make excuses, no built-in excuses for his behavior and and how this came about. Uh, It's an interesting question. He didn't didn't go down the road far enough.
0: Well, it's it's smart of you to go down that road as we're looking because usually these things are about a cycle of abuse and and when you're going to stop it and and where – you know, someone is going to step in as kind of an evolved human and, and stop these things. So it's a sensible place to go, but he didn't want to go there probably for fear of it sounding like an excuse or sounding like he was not owning the situation. Right.
1: Again, I I want to see her response. I want to know the fans responses to this because that's what really matters here Uh, to me. You know what, what my opinion is as a reporter, I, I I think it, it means very little at this point. Um, what what I think of this situation, I, I don't think my opinion or other peop, uh, reporters' opinions really matter. I think it's what uh, what she thinks of this. If it's functioning, if the Cubs think it's functioning, if MLB thinks it's functioning, mm-hmm. and the fans of the Chicago Cubs uh, think that it's functioning.
0: You know what bothers me, Bruce, is that it's it's forcing us. To not talk about the stuff that I really want to talk about. which is uh, Baseball. Who's there in the best shape of their life? That's what I want to know. Who has shown up in the best shape of their life? I expect a couple in each camp to do that. And, you know, I'm looking at these bullpens. I think I'd rather have the White Sox bullpen than the Cubs bullpen. Your thoughts. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, you have two really great veteran guys at the end. You know, and, and you, uh, I think you got
0: four legit high leverage options. I like Jace Fry you know, Nate Jones and, yeah, and Herrera proven, and, and proven Coleman.
1: unhealthy most of his career on the second one. Mm. Um, you know, again, on the baseball card, it looks good. Uh, you know, Nate hasn't been able to get through a whole season, I think in three years, right. or four years. Um, Fry certainly showed great early, uh, coming on last year, uh, still unproven, but, uh, you know, I think your point's well taken. you, if you're a Cub fan right now, you're probably a little nervous about the back end, uh, knowing that Morrow is probably not going to be out there for a month, not knowing what Morrow is going to be right. at, the, uh, at the that point in May when he hasn't pitched for probably uh, – nine or ten months.
0: Did you get a chance to stand close to Carl Edwards Jr. as he did his Kenley Jansen impression with that pause, that little hitch in his giddy-up that he's added, Bruce? It's pretty interesting looking.
1: Wax on, wax off. <laughs> uh, he, he was, he's uh, you know, experimenting with a, a new uh, delay in his uh, leg kick. I, uh-huh. You know, Kenley Jansen like, and I think it's great. You know, its it's all about the thought process of throwing strikes. He was way up in his walks last year, his confidence was way down by the end of the year. I think it started way back in in two thousand and seventeen mm-hmm. the, the end of that year and into the playoffs where Joe had to actually remove him uh a couple times after bringing him in for one veteran. The result being a walk.
0: Yeah, it's some scary stuff. But it, it, it's hard for me to, uh, to expect that to last uh, real well when the man has notoriously had a difficult time keeping the mechanics straight as they are. But it reminded me, Sid Finch, the old Sports Illustrated April right. Fool's Day gag, Sid Finch, that's what he had. He had that, that pause and then he would bring the boot down before throwing the pitch, I believe, 140 miles an hour.
1: Of course. Yeah. And they could still hit that, right? I mean, <laughs> most most of the guys. I know Bugs Bunny always did. Uh
0: this uh 67011 is how you text us and there's a ton of texts about that. Uh Addison Russell and everything else and the phone lines have lit up as well. Let's start with you. Uh at 312-644-6767. Mike is in Evanston. Mike is on the score on inside the clubhouse with Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine. What do you say, Mike? Hey, good morning, Paul. Good Morning. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I wish the Cubs would have traded Russell. For, from a baseball perspective, I wish they would have traded him after the World Series in 2016. Um, and now, you know, this is two awful off-seasons,
2: and they let this guy back on the roster with all the distractions. You know, they? And, and I don't know if they're waiting to trade him, but he, he shouldn't be on the roster. This guy's not
0: going to change. How does a guy go from jumping out of a vehicle and tackling his girlfriend to all of a sudden going through therapy, and that's going to change them. Well, it's not just therapy. Obviously, you hope somebody is is maturing. And uh, do you give up on people at the age of twenty five? I try not to give up on people as much as possible. Sometimes you get a little bit later on in your in your life, and you realize, okay, I should stop putting my energy there. But at twenty five, they don't want to give up on the guy, and they don't want to give up on the asset. And yeah, and I, I understand.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't get the trading the after two thousand sixteen. He was no. arguably the top three shortstops in the game. 21 homers, 95 RBIs, Grand Slam homer. Uh, you know, uh, the starting all-star shortstop for the National League. What would, uh, Indicate they needed to trade him after two thousand and sixteen. Nothing. He was it,
0: his home run against the Dodgers completely turned around that NLCS. He slumped during that playoffs and then found it. I think you thought that was the, the, the right. absolute beginning of uh, of the offensive heyday of Addison Russell. Just I, bomb I, I
1: just think the second chance is, you know, that is for other people to decide. The Cubs have decided to allow him to have that. I think in our society when you when you admit you made a big mistake. And you're, you're trying to own it. I think. People ultimately respond to that, don't you? Uh,
0: I, I think they do, as long as you, uh, again, come off sincere, come off like you are, you know, you're actually emotionally invested in trying to do the right thing. This hour and six seventy, the score is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Um, jumping around for just a moment, Bruce, what is the day that Eloy Jimenez can become a member of the big league club for the White Sox, and they don't lose that extra year of team control? What where are we talking about? Into We're the talking season,
1: talking about uh, sometime in mid-April. I don't have the date in front of me but uh mm-hmm. it gives you the uh ability to control him for a seventh year much like we saw with um with uh Bryant mm-hmm. and the Cubs a few years ago in 2015 when he first was called up and is there any cub fan right now who didn't like that back then that doesn't like the idea now that they have him for the seventh year. Oh my God!
0: If you think about all the times you've talked to him about potential contract extensions and and how things would be different if there was that one less year of control on the back end. So and April fifteenth, obviously, will will be you know the soonest that it will be for the White Sox and Iloy Jimenez. Um, it's,
1: the system is flawed, and we'll we'll talk to Peter Gammons about that at the top of the next hour about how th- there has to be a better system. When you have a top player who should be in the big leagues um, probably last September, maybe even last July, mm-hmm. but is being controlled because of that all important last year on a on a potential superstar Matt, that could be making thirty million dollars or more in that last year and the the control and the savings of that superstar for that franchise. There has to be a better system.
0: You know, it's interesting because, Bruce, it's always been that the players will then get paid back when free agency comes. And this is a price you pay up front here, your cheap labor, and they take advantage of you up front. And then you get your big payoff when free agency comes. And here we are. It's not happening for the but second year in but a But the
1: fans are getting ripped off. And, mm-hmm. the, and the team potentially is getting ripped off if Jimenez should have started last July, gotten his... Feet wet as a major league player and set to go this year as a potential star in the league. Wow. So everybody's getting ripped off: the player, uh, the fans, the team, because of this control issue which should probably be handled differently.
0: It's it's such a volatile place right now, the labor negotiations. So Adam Wainwright saying you wouldn't be surprised if players start walking out at midseason. I know that was kind of tongue-in-cheek, a little bit flippant, but seriously, it's, it's this is ugly stuff, and we are headed towards a work stoppage at some point,
1: right? Yeah, and you know what? When it gets down to this, the the players are always on the defensive because they're the ones that people feel they're paying. They're the ones that they see getting the big contracts. They're the ones that ultimately, when it comes to money talk, mm-hmm. cannot be related to by the fans.
0: Monday, the 15th of April, is a home game at Guaranteed Rate Field against the Kansas City Royals. Doesn't that sound like a likely moment to come up?
1: It would be excellent. I would have preferred it was last July, Well, yeah. to be honest with you. But in dealing with reality right now, yeah. yeah. April, April 15th, great. Uh, bring them on. And I'm sure the Sox fans and everybody in, in – uh, you know, Chicagoland area is going to be excited about the fact that Eloy's is going to be there. It's just a shame because of the system that he hasn't been there already.
0: Well, last year, the best the best night for me anyway at, at on the south side was Michael Kopech night. So maybe that Eloy day on the 15th will be the best. All right, Bruce, let's take a break. We'll come back. Mike Montgomery is going to join us, bottom of the hour, right? Absolutely. And Peter Gammons at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. Definitely a bunch of White Sox conversation along the way as well. It is Matt Spiegel. It is Bruce Levine. It is Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel in Chicago. Our man Bruce Levine is out there in Arizona. Bottom of the hour is being brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Chicago Wolves have been providing affordable winning hockey for 25 years. Celebrate tomorrow at 3 as the Wolves host the Iowa Wild at Allstate Arena. Enjoy free parking courtesy of Kia and discounted concession items. Visit ChicagoWolves.com. Bruce, what's on the docket uh, for today uh, and tomorrow for you, for this weekend in terms of covering the ball clubs?
1: Well, uh, the we've already talked to most of the pitchers, so it's now the position players coming in. They have to be in by Monday. Uh, in Mesa, Tom Ricketts will talk to the entire team hmm. uh, on Monday morning, and uh, we will be carrying his comments right after that when he talks to the media uh, he's done this for the last uh, seven or eight years, where as soon as he comes out of the clubhouse, uh, giving the state of the state for the Cubs organization to the the staff and the players, he comes out and talks to the media. So we'll we'll have that. That's a big part of Monday. But over the weekend, as you asked about uh, about the position players coming in for the Cubs, it's it's certainly uh, Bryant and Rizzo and Baez uh, coming in. Zobras talking about what's what's going to happen here and they'll be talking over the next two or three days with the white sox the same thing for the uh, position players there uh coming in and uh, you know, finding uh, Manny there or Manny not there. (laughs) Yonder Uh,
0: Alonso and John Jay didn't have to be there earlier this week when they were there, um, and yet there they were and they showed up and they were extremely affable, as they have been, in talking about Manny Machado. Is that going to continue? How long do you have to – are you allowed to ask these guys about that stuff?
1: Well, I think they'll they'll be stopping talking about that soon. Hopefully these guys will be in somebody's camp at some point, and, you know, for White Sox fans, certainly they're hoping – Machado's in White Sox camp. But, uh, you know, it it can be, and I wrote about it on 670thescore.com uh, last week, that this can be a distraction. It sure. can be uh, difficult. It can cause waves of, uh, of more important uh, doubt for a guy like Tim Anderson. Am I playing shortstop this year? For a guy like... Mon- uh, on Makata, sure. Um, am I moving from second to third, or is that where Manny's going to be? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm moving at some point because Nick Madrigal is uh, the second baseman heir apparent, and I'm going to be moving at some position to some position. Where is that position? When am I moving? So uh, all of these elements are a little bit unnerving for the uh, the players there. At some point if this Machado situation isn't settled soon.
0: The latest on Machado that we've heard, Bruce, is that A.J. Preller, the Padres GM, flew to Miami to talk with Machado and his wife, and uh, they've now met for a second time. I, you, Do you have a gut on, on where things stand on Manny Machado before we get to our guest here?
1: The White Sox offer remains on the table. Okay. okay? Right. It's the same offer that was made a month ago. It's the only one other than the Yankee rumored one that we heard uh, last week Mm -hmm. uh, that has been represented. I, I know the Padres have not made an offer. Talked to some people over there. They are kicking the tires on it, and they're certainly interested in Harper as well. But uh, the, the uh, okay. getting together with uh, Machado uh, was certainly a part of what Preller did last week.
0: He is Bruce Levine out there in Arizona. I am Matt Spiegel here in Chicago, and our guest right now is Mike Montgomery of the Chicago Cubs, the man who got the final out in 2016, but that's a long time ago already. Uh, Mike Montgomery <laughs> joins us, and we are pleased to have him on the show. Good morning, Mike. How are you?
2: morning, guys. Uh, How's
1: it going? We're doing great. Hey, Mike, uh, let's start with with your new role with the team. And your new new role is an old role. And uh, you've been up and back between starting and relieving and being, most importantly, a very integral part of the Chicago Cubs since you arrived in 2016. How do you uh, internalize this year's role and where you're starting spring training out at?
2: Um, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, I, you know, our, my goal is just to be in, you know, uh, an important part of the, of the plans and, um, we haven't had a whole lot of talks about what that's going to mean. And I think it's early and I think, you know, we don't really know. We're trying to still f- see how things shake up, shake up in camp and, um, you know, so it's obviously on my mind a little bit and, but, uh, for me, it's just about, Coming here and getting my my body and mind and you know life ready for another baseball season, and I think we get a month and a half, two months here, and it's um, it's a process that you just got to go through. And I, I you know again, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what what's going to happen this year if I'm going to make thirty starts or five starts or you know somewhere in between, but um, I'll be ready for it.
0: Over you know, the last couple of years it 's been really impressive mike to to flip flop back and forth as you have and give the club some really strong stretches as a starter and then be available fourteen starts and thirty relief appearances two years ago nineteen starts and I think it was nineteen relief appearances last year what What have you learned? about uh, about managing this kind of existence what what have you learned about it, and has it gotten easier uh now just to kind of live in that in that nether world if you will
2: um, yeah, I think it's gotten easier mentally uh just because you've got to experience so much that you know you kind of don't get phased as easily uh, when one situation or another arrives uh but I think uh it's just the physical side of it um I got a better appreciation and and really just um I I have a better idea of what I need to do to to put myself in the best physical shape to make sure you know I'm able to to execute what I you know I I know you know how to throw a ball It's just sometimes long season and diff- different roles you don't play as well when you're not 100% and I think just putting yourself in the best spot to to be 100% or as close to it as possible is something different I'm going to do this year and I think, you know, last couple of years have been overall good years, but I would not say they're great years by me and, and that's my goal it's to have a great year and and I think I'm definitely capable of it and it's just about going out there and and uh taking the steps and, you know, not getting uh caught up in the situation of of the role or where the team's at.
1: That's the voice of Mike Montgomery of the Chicago Cubs. This is Inside the Clubhouse, Bruce Levine, reporting from Arizona. Matt Spiegel in our studios in downtown Chicago. We talk to you every week on Inside the Clubhouse from 9 to 11 a.m. Mike, uh, what about the responsibility for you, your family, your career? And when I ask you that question, I, I, I think of, James Russell, a guy that pitched for the Chicago Cubs when they started their rebuild back in uh, 2011, 12, 13, and how they asked him to go out there and pitch 75 and 80 times, never turning the ball down, and eventually his arm going south and having a shorter career than he should have. And then I listen, then I remind myself of Justin Grimm doing everything that the team asked him to do for three years and seeing uh, things go a different direction. And then I, I bring it back to you and I ask you about the responsibility for you and your career, knowing that you're doing this dual role that not too many people can do successfully, and you're still really not getting paid for it yet.
2: Uh, well, you know, it, for me, it's, it's a, my motivations are always, even growing up, is just to be, you know, the best at something and you know, and my goal is to be among the best of something, especially, you know, in this case pitching. So, uh, it's, it's almost like a fun challenge for me and I've kind of developed and got thrown into this role and mm-hmm. a lot of times it's out of my control and in, you know, all the time it is. So it's uh it's a pride thing, you know, I, I enjoy it and I want to be good at it, good at it. And, uh, it's something that, you know, it's when you know going to sleep at night. That's that's my motivation, and um, I I'm here, I am, uh, you know, ready for another season. So, yeah, there's a lot of situations of other guys are in the past and things didn't work out in this role, or maybe they did for a short time, but not long right. period. But, um, you know, maybe I can break that mold and and be successful for a long period of time with it.
1: I guess my point is. Uh, would you like to get a long-term contract and could could you be paid the way you want to be paid if you sign a contract early on right now?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, well, the way the game's going right now, uh, I I just, I don't see uh, how that's going to be possible. I mean, you look around the league with all the free agents, uh, it's, it's kind of a weird situation and I know there's been some guys with strong opinions on it and, you know, I, I, I'm... Don't know enough about it to have a strong opinion but it's kind of weird that we have you know some of our top free agents not on teams so I think uh, we got to get that figured out as a game but yeah from my standpoint look yeah we 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 got to make a living and you know we play this game with short you know earning careers uh you know a lot of guys make their money and then soon as they're done with baseball it's it it's it's over you got to go back to school or you got to go get a job somewhere and um yeah and right now it's it's fun you know i'm 29 years old i i still feel good i feel young i you know i really truly want to be a part of this cubs organization. I love the organization. So we'll see what happens going forward.
0: You know, it's it's amazing. It does not feel like you've been around as long as you have, if that makes any sense, Mike, cuz I look just I'm so used to looking at, all right, arbitration eligible now and not free agent eligible till 2022. Feels like you're a guy who's been around longer than that. Do you feel like it's been a longer slog than than what it reads like on paper?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh absolutely. And I think The biggest problem in our game right now is that it's a six-year free agency window and every other sport's four or even less. So I think baseball uh, needs to get something figured out with, you know, we can't have six years before a guy's a free agent, and I think it's bad for the game. Um, And owners, you know, I think that's why we're seeing what we see. Guys aren't getting to free agency until they're – Early thirties because um, it's a hard game you know to not many guys are getting in the league when they're twenty to twenty three you know there's just it's a steep learning curve and it 's not just about physical ability so I think that needs to be changed before we start to see uh, positive change on on that front, but that 's just my opinion on it
1: Mike as far as uh, addison Russell uh, coming out and talking to the uh People in uh, Cub Nation and the world yesterday, and his thoughts about his teammates as well. What, 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 what's your takeaway from, uh, from Addison coming back and uh, doing what he has to do at this point?
2: Yeah, I, I, um, I'm not a hundred percent up to date with everything that's happened, but from my perspective, um, he's, a, I think he's a good kid, and I've had a lot of good talks with him. I mean, we've been teammates the last couple years, and um and i understand you know some of the things that he has done in his past definitely are not acceptable so i i really respect the team for giving him another chance and then i hope he can take advantage of it cuz i know he's a good player and um he's young you know i mean he's in the big leagues when he's 20 21 years old it's it's tough to throw guys into the spotlight all the time and 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 expect them to be just perfect all the time so um, you know, I hope he, he can learn and grow and move on and, you know, and figure a way to make this a positive, um, whether it's helping other people or really just be kind of becoming a role model. And, and I think, you know, he'll kind of learn that as he goes, that, uh, we're in a position where people look up to us and we got to really, um, go above and beyond to, to set a good example. So, uh, I've seen him spring, talk to him and he seems in good spirits and, um, you know, it kinda of seems like he he wants people to know that he's a, a good guy and, and he wants to find a way to kinda of portray that. So um yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at and uh you know, if he's taking care of what he needs to and you know, I know there there's some kind of things involved with that, so uh, you know, I'll accept him as a teammate back and you know and, and hope to see him on the right track.
0: I appreciate your willingness to uh talk about that and and everything else and uh and wishing you the best here in uh spring training Mike. Um stay Thank healthy you. stay healthy and uh and hit opening day running, okay?
2: Yes sir. Yeah. All right thanks guys. Uh thanks, have a Mike. good one. Take care. You got it. That's Mike. Mike Montgomery. Montgomery
1: uh from Arizona uh Matt uh I thought he ended it very well there. It was well said, you know about his perspective on Addison and his Mm -hmm. perspective as well about uh, who he is, a very unique role, uh, very difficult. uh, Not too many guys you can identify that can swing up and back from – Starting and relieving and be good at both.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a level of, um, of of you know concession for your ego that you have to do, which is difficult for a big league athlete because you need that ego to thrive. So you're you're also saying, okay, whatever you want, whatever you want, but you know he wants to start, he wants to make thirty starts yeah. a year.
1: Yeah, the, the, I try to bring out you know how abusing it can be and how uh, you know the the end result sometimes is not there because the guy. Does way too much beyond what other people normally do, Mm -hmm. and it ends up biting them at the end, you know, because of the fact that. Their arm just doesn't hold up under that type of uh, scrutiny from going from starter to reliever and back to reliever again.
0: He's Bruce Levine. We'll talk to Peter Gammons, the Hall of Famer, at the top of the hour right here on Inside the Clubhouse. Lots more to come with you at six seventy eleven via text and at three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Your phone calls right here on six seventy the Score. He continues to do what he's doing right now. Obviously, um, everything's headed in the right direction. Um, within the group itself. A lot of it's going to depend on him and his, his interaction with the group and how the boys react to him. And a lot of that's going to come through conversation and interaction. So um, he's got an opportunity today to talk to you guys straight up about what had happened and how he feels about it. But again, with us, we're, we're still uh, mindful that there's a lot of, um, and, and the way Theo relates it to innings play, uh, we're still early in the ball game right now. We're trying to um, work our way through it. It's Joe Madden on the Addison Russell situation uh, this week and Addison being in camp. He had a chance to address the media yesterday. What is, um, it, you know, it, it's hard to sort of separate some of the issues from where Joe is. Um, but what did it feel like as Joe Madden was, was there and talking to you guys this week, Bruce, in terms of his comfort level, his place, his security within the organization? Did it feel normal uh, this week? With
1: Joe? Yeah, it did. It did, Matt. Um, Joe is always the most comfortable guy in the room. I've never seen him really uncomfortable. He's he's truly in his own skin, very comfortable all the time. I, I just, you know, it's other than having some run-ins with umpires over the years and losing it there, you know what what managers normally do, and I, and that's less and less now because of. Uh, you know, the replay system. But from the perspective of uh, embracing this, Joe has said all the right things. I think physically and mentally he's doing all the right things. Uh, Will he embrace every metric that's thrown on his desk? Will he embrace a guy with a spinning wheel on the top of his head coming in and telling him who to use in the ninth inning that particular day? He will be – cordial, he'll be accepting, he will listen to what the man says, and then ultimately he'll make that decision at the end based on metrics, and more importantly, his gut, okay, you know, because that's who he is.
0: I understand, but Bruce, let me speak for any of us who've ever owned a propeller hat in our in our lives. How dare you? How dare you throw all of us in one single box like that and generalize? Oh,
1: I, I, did I mention your name? <laughs> no,
0: but I've, I'm a proud owner of a propeller hat. But, but, you know, metrics are a thing that
1: we have to relate to, okay? It, it has nothing to do with a person's age or perspective of... Uh, what numbers are all about. They've always been essential in baseball. I mean, they are the key from from 1876 on. Correct. Albert Spaulding threw the first pitch for the Chicago Cubs, and he won – you know, 47 games that year, and he pitched in 60 of them.
0: How did he look? How did he look towards he the end was, of the year, Bruce? You know, he
1: wasn't bad. He was a little upset the day that he won a game and found out that Custer and his people went down. <laughs> that was actually true. He, he pitched the day that Custer, and uh, he was not an easy interview. Uh-huh. I can tell you that much.
0: As I figured. I figured you and Grobstein were fighting for uh, for time. Right
1: now, now, see, you went there. That's that's old score or world. You
0: went old score on me. Oh no, it, yes, you yes, you did. Respectfully though, with love, with love, Bruce. With
1: Yeah, that's Uh, what he's saying until I get off the (laughs) air. (laughs) But, you know, in reality, uh, you know, the the numbers are essential. Joe pays attention to him. He's always been a numbers guy. But he he doesn't listen to every single number that comes up. He's not going to look at a board and decide in the ninth inning, hmm, should I use um, Montgomery here for the left-hander? Should I use uh, Strope here for the two? You know, He's going to have an idea long before that any comes up based on numbers and based on gut of what he needs to do in this particular situation.
0: What's interesting is that he uh, long had the reputation of being ahead of the curve in embracing analytics. No doubt. And no a, doubt. A, a, embracing metrics and, and, and following some of those thought processes. But now we've gotten to the point where even a guy like Joe – is going to be challenged by a pitching coach like Tommy Hotovy with direct ties to the front office standing next to him as he makes those decisions.
1: I I love your propeller. It also uh, acts as a a Yamaki propeller. Uh, it's true. Propeller, it's 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 beautiful. Thank it really you, is. thank
0: you. Yeah, multi-purpose, and I can fly across the room at a moment's notice if need be. That, that,
1: that's excellent.
0: He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. It is inside the clubhouse in six seventy. The score. Of the Hall of Famer Peter Gabbins is going to join us, and uh, lots of phone conversation with you guys about Cubs and White Sox in the final hour of Inside the Clubhouse, right here on the Score.